You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. So we have been treating the excellence spirit, the excellence spirit, or the excellence culture. And we have come very far because the excellence culture itself is a sub under the main, the Jesus culture. All right. So we are now treating how to exercise your spirit to reveal the excellent culture, the excellent life, or the excellent way of life that Christ Jesus has actually introduced us to by his spirit of excellence in our lives. And so the basic thing you need to understand is that if you are a born again believer, the excellent spirit, which is the spirit of Christ, it lives inside of you. And just like a young man who push metals to show the muscles that are already in them, we push and exercise our spirit to reveal godliness or to reveal the excellent spirit which is the character of Christ and we said that what you need to do is number one you have to make sure that you are a student of the word number two you live the life of prayer and praying in the spirit you also must take time to fast starve your flesh to exercise your spirit unto devotion And then the last that we're treating on that is that you need to be part of the fellowship of the brethren, what we call church. So last week, we spoke regarding to the fellowship of the brethren and the very nature of the church. Let me give us a recap on last week's edition so we can transition into today's session. Now, I said that regarding the pre-resurrection when Jesus was about to die, he spoke regarding the church. And in Matthew 16, 18, what Jesus teaches us is that he would be the head of the church. He will be the head of the church. So you can kindly write them down because I'm giving you summaries of all the text we used and what they depict. So Matthew 16, 18 tells us that Christ Jesus will be the head of the church and the church will be called out or born through his death and resurrection. Christ Jesus will be the head of the church and the church would be called out or born through his death 
and resurrection. And then Matthew 18, 15 to 17, we see church would be a family gathering. The church would be a family gathering and a heaven for the forgiveness of sins. A heaven for the forgiveness of sins. And then when Jesus resurrected, that is the post-resurrection, he also spoke regarding the nature of the church or the structure of the church. Matthew 28, 16 teaches us that the assembling of the church must be at a place where Jesus is found. So Jesus instructively told them to meet him at the mountain in Galilee, a place where they will find him. So every believer must find a place where they would see Jesus or Jesus will be taught to them. Luke 24 verse 49 also teaches us that the church must function by the power of the Holy Spirit and in prayer and supplication. In other words, the church cannot function without the Holy Spirit. So he asked them to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit before they start the work, before they start the assignment. So church is not a social club. The church functions by the power or with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we also saw that prayer is not a praxis just for a few. They were all in prayer and supplication. So all of us are called to pray as believers and corporately as a church. Acts 1, 14 to 15. And then Acts 2, verse 1. Acts 1, 14 to 15. Acts 2, verse 1. Also teaches us that all were to gather together with one accord in total submission to authority. So in the church, we all gather together and we gather with one accord, with one heart and one mind in total submission to authority. We read that Jesus says brother and brothers and then Jesus' mother were all there and they were part of the fellowship of the brethren in total submission to whatever instruction has been given. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, also teaches us that we don't personalize the message of the gospel. Jesus didn't go to their various homes individually to speak to them about the kingdom, about the gospel. No, he gathered them together in the assembling of the brethren and he shared the message to them so that each one of them had the same thing. Number two, they gained the same understanding. So they would actually give the same interpretation and live the same way. So that nobody will personalize the message. And that's why you need to go to church and make sure that you find understanding and clarity to the scriptures. The way God's intention is regarding what he said. You don't have private interpretation of scriptures by yourself. You need to belong to the family. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 
also teaches us that we are not to forsake church meetings. As is the habit of some. And I'm sure you are not a culprit to this one. And at meetings, we are expected to exhort one another and outdo each other in the acts of Christ's love and kindness. We are to exhort one another, outdo one another in the acts of Christ's love and kindness. And then we also read the eyewitness account in the epistle of John. First John 1 verse 1 to 10. And the summary of that is that one, the church, that's believers, have a common father with Christ Jesus our brother. Believers have a common father with Christ Jesus, our brother. So whatever the father shares with his son, he also shares with us. We also learned right there that just as the father forgave our sins and continues to forgive our sins, let us forgive one another as we live in fellowship with him Through the commonality, the common identity, the blood that his son binds us all. That his son binds us all. We are all bound together in the blood. Therefore, sin does not break the fellowship. Sin does not break the fellowship. The fellowship is not to sin, but for sin. For sin. We also read Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32 teaches us that when we share the gospel, we are giving the fellowship of the Father. In other words, Christ is the one that was giving. Christ is the one that was giving. And out of Christ, everything else is shared with us. And we become part of the fellowship And we share in everything that Christ gives. So it is Christ that was giving. God did not spare his only son. But he gave. And with that, with him, he gives us all things. So we get to share fellowship with him because Christ was giving. And then in Christ, everything else comes to us. And that's why... You cannot tell the unbeliever to give his life to Christ. Okay, so unbelievers become a part of the fellowship when they receive Christ, the one giving by the Father. Unbelievers don't give their lives to Christ. They receive life. They receive the life of Christ. They receive the life of Christ. Praise God. Now, in Acts chapter 12, verse 24, we also were taught that the effects of doing church right is that the word grows and there is multiplication. The word grows and there is multiplication. In summary, we learned that the assembly of the saints is not an option. It is an instruction. So now we're going to go to 
part two, which actually speaks to the intensity of our bond. The intensity of the bond between us, the brethren, believers, we who are saved in the fellowship of the brethren, the intensity of the bond, the union is just amazing as Christ made it and and we have no idea and I'm sure that if all of us have an understanding to this, we will be part of the church with very different motivations and we will do church right. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is 18 to 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 to 19. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Praise God. Now, you can realize in this particular text that Apostle Paul was saying that God, by his grace, has called them, which also is an extension to you and I, as ambassadors and therefore we have been giving the ministry of reconciliation in other words the account has been settled if you look at where the debits and the credits are there is no expense it's been fully paid and so we are we have the portfolio of the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling men to God. Amazing. Now, he also says that even God does not impute the trespasses of unbelievers unto them because Christ has already paid the price. So it is like a check that has been paid, has been given. All they need to do is to cash the check and the account receives the full benefit of the cash that is given. So, now, if Christ does not look at the unbeliever in their sin, and does not impute their sin upon them, the question you must ask yourself is, how do you do that to a brother? How do you see the brother who may have sinned against you, offended you in one way or the other, As one that does not deserve to be forgiven. 
Now, the question you must also ask is, how do you, who is the minister of reconciliation, carrying the word of reconciliation, be dividing the fellowship of the brethren and then go with the portfolio to reconcile others into the fellowship of the brethren. (laughs) How does that make sense? That we fight with one another, we don't understand the fellowship, the commonality we have, that we all came from the same father. And therefore, we have all been forgiving our sins. And that's the way God sees your brother. And if you can't forgive your brother, or your sister can't forgive you, where then do we have the guts to carry the mandate? To go out and reconcile unbelievers and bring them into the fellowship. It's not possible. It doesn't make sense. First John 4 verse 8 nails it clearly. I read from the Living Bible. But if a person isn't loving and kind, it shows that he doesn't know God. For God is love. So Apostle John once again speaks to the fact that our fellowship must show the exhibits of love and kindness towards one another. And he says, if a person does not live by the nature of love and kindness, then they don't know God. So what he means is that he is not saying you don't have God. In other words, you don't know the true nature you are carrying. You don't even know yourself. Because if you came from God, and God is love, then it means that you are expected by nature to show love. So in the fellowship, what is yours becomes mine. And we are to show kindness to one another, to love one another. To treat one another well. Your burden is my burden. Your joy is my joy. Your pain is my pain. I can go outside and bad mouth you and speak against you and call you my brother or my sister. No, it is not permitted. We are to stay true to one another. Pray for one another. Hold one another in high esteem. 
you see all of these things because that is the nature of the fellowship. It is bound by the nature of God's love. And what did God do? When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the nature of God's love. He doesn't wait for you to do good before he will show you kindness. No, even in your unfaithfulness, he shows you that he is faithful. He's love. He's love. So what is God's contribution to this fellowship? The giving of his son. We cannot earn it. And if you didn't earn it, and all of us came into this fellowship because we were forgiving, and we are forgiving, and continually we shall be forgiving in the, sorry, in, in future. Past, present, future, how dare do I hold a grudge against you? How then do I hold your sin against you? 1 John 3, 2. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know That when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Praise God. Now, Apostle John once again, re-actually emphasizes on the fact that we are God's children. So, we stand together in God. You are God's child I am God's child. And he says, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. And he's talking about the day of redemption when Christ would come. And he says that this fellowship actually is a fellowship that is stuck into eternity. Where we shall see together Christ Face to face. I am not left out. And you cannot be left out. So what it means is that you and I are brothers and sisters. Not just in in this temporary world. We are brothers and sisters. Even when we meet Christ Jesus face to face. We have been wired together into eternity. This goes beyond just the bloodline. These are spirits that are knitted together. By one common identity. As you see me now, I may be the one who doesn't have the degree. I may be the one who doesn't have the the the, the 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 career i may be the one 
who comes from a very low background regarding the the, 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 the dictates of the world. I, I may be that one that was born to very poor parents. Um, I may be that one, as far as the world calls it, I'm not enlightened. But whoever you call me and who, however you see me, doesn't matter because I shall be revealed. And so you don't see me by what the world sees me or what the world sees a valuable person or what the world thinks the worth of a person is. My worth is in the blood. And if the blood reached out to me in that state that is so poor, in that state that is so bad, he didn't look at my height, my age, my certificates, my beauty, oh, that I am handsome or or whatever. But the blood actually looked out and reached out to me in that remote village that nobody want to come, then I am worthy. Not because of me, not because of anything I have. I am worthy because of the blood and I shall be revealed on that day. Now, anytime you see they're talking about adoption, there are two things that comes to mind because of their days In their days, what they normally do is that when a person is adopted within the Roman um, Empire, what they did was that the family would just do a simple adoption and introduce the person to the family that they have been adopted. So the head of the family definitely will bring the person And then they will just tell the the, the whole family that from today, this person has been adopted. But then when the person serves to a certain point and they are part of the family and they join the family and enjoy all the stuff that the family has, what they also do later is that they do a very big ceremony. And publicly, they initiate this person finally into the family so that all will see that they have become part of the family. That is what Apostle John was talking about. That today we have been chosen from different parts of the world, have been adopted into the family, and we have become the fellowship of the brethren with Jesus as the head of the church. And our father is God. Ah, right after this, ah, a time is coming when we shall be ah, just like he made us that we have not seen yet and we shall see him as he is and we will be seeing ourselves as we are because there's something about this newborn nature that you have not seen yet. So if you see your brother in Tartus, don't see him as that man in Tartus. There's something in that man that is so precious, that is so powerful, that is so glorious. What you can do rather is to show them love and bring them to in the worldly standards where you are. That's what we do to ourselves. We bring the weak up to where the strong is so that we all with one mind and one heart The focus becomes the gospel. The focus becomes Christ. The focus is not ourselves. It's not ourselves. 
So your height, your degree, your wealth, your status makes no difference anymore. What makes the difference is the blood. So the church is meant to be the equalizer. The church is meant to be the leveler. The place where you come and we don't give you a seed because of the money you have. We don't give you a seed because of your degree. We don't give you a seed because of where you belong, your status in society. No, all of us are one and are treated the same. There is no partiality because that is the essence of the commonality. The commonality of the blood identity that we are forgiving people and we have come just as we are. And he has made us heirs and joined heirs with Christ. That is the essence. That is the essence. So you don't come with that expectation that, oh, because I'm rich. No, um, we're going to open up scriptures and you see that how we have been doing this thing is so wrong and out of the pattern. How do you see a believer and you begin to mock at them and laugh at them because of what they're wearing? You're laughing at your brother, your sister. Your sister gets into trouble and you are happy? Oh no! A brother wrongs you and you take them out to social media and begin to let unbelievers. It's a betrayal to the family. You don't understand this. You don't. We don't. Look at Acts chapter 2, 41. To 45. This is expressly revealed right here in practicality. Acts chapter 2, 41 to 45. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And at that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking sorry in the breaking of bread and in prayers then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles Look at the 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Did you hear that? Now all who believed were together. That's one. And had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods. And divided them among all. As Anyone had need. This is church. All who believed were together. And they had all things in common. This is fellowship. 
and they sold their possession. They were not gathering and gathering for themselves. No. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them. They gave them to the apostles. And they laid them at the apostles' feet. And then structurally, orderly, they will look at all those who have needs and serve their particular needs so that everybody would have all it takes to go ahead and do the assignment that has been given to share the gospel and to enjoy Christ. Look at Acts chapter 4.32. Acts 4.32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Oh my God. Were of one heart. One soul. One heart means their passion. Their pursuit. Their priority were the same. One soul means that they all had one mind. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. (laughs) This is not an Anansi's story, this is the pattern for church. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all, sorry, but they had all things in common. Is that how we see church today? Is that how we do church, sorry, today? Now, you can see that for everybody that God born again, did you see the phrase, they were added to what? The church. Number two, when they are added to the church, they all shared Things in what? Come on. And they were together. So, Christianity is not a personal faith. No, you are called into fellowship. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Paul. Retrades this point clearly here. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. (laughs) Okay, so what is the calling? And how do we do that? He said, with loneliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. 
with lowliness, with sober-mindedness and humility, with gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That we are bound By one blood. And we have the same Holy Spirit. That has bound us together. And let us endeavor. That we live. Together. In peace. In oneness. In the unity of this bond. And it must be in peace and serenity. Why? Four to six tells us why. There is one body. Jesus is the one that was giving. One body. And all of us came into the body through the body. One body. Jesus. One spirit that has sealed us unto redemption. That is the guarantee, the warranty. Just as we were called in one hope of your calling. All of us have one hope. One hope. And we are waiting for that day of redemption. When he shall give us great rewards. Hallelujah. One hope. When he shall come for his own. We have one Lord. We have one faith. One baptism. Not the one you think it is. One God and Father. We all came out of one Father. Out of one womb called Gregor Dabahasus. Who is above all. And through all. And in you all. Oh Jesus. Can you get this? Are you finding understanding to this? What a mystery. And what a privilege to be a part of this fellowship. And if we have this understanding, I'm sure the way we look at one another will change instantaneously. If you see a believer who is always alone, it's because they lack understanding. And they need to grow to mature in the things of God. 
This is not a personal faith. No, it's not. It's not. And that's why every believer must be found in the company of believers. Because that's how you exercise your spirit. That, that's how you are serviced in your spirit. Iron sharpens iron. And that's why we come into the services. That's why we have the corporate meeting, the assembling and the gathering of the saints. Look at Romans chapter 15, 25 to 29. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. Watch, watch the 27. Look at the language. Look at the motivation. It pleased them indeed. And they are their debtors. The one who is giving is not the creditor. He says they are their debtors. In other words, they owe them love. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. He's saying that these guys in Macedonia see those who came to give them the gospel as people they all love because they shared with them spiritual things and therefore they in exchange of the little that they can give must give them material things. La, 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 la. The last time I checked you thought that you give money in the church. So you must give in the must be given the priority because you are rather giving much and you are giving a higher thing. Look at this. Here they are telling you the pattern is that the one who gives material things is giving the lesser. The one who gives spiritual things is giving the greater. So in this fellowship, we don't judge one's giving by materialism. No. Because the essence of our meeting is actually to give spiritual so the one who gives spiritual stuff is giving better. Are you understanding me? And so material things actually don't mean anything to them. That is why they were easily able to sell their possessions, divide them and give. Because the moment you get into Christ, material stuff don't mean anything anymore. Let me just read this and then we can end for today. We can end for today. 
Oh, Jesus. Galatians 2. 7 to 10. Let me take it from 6. Galatians 2, 6 to 10. This Apostle Paul. I, I am weighed down by what I'm teaching because all of us are so guilty. And all of us missed the pattern. And one thing you have to understand is that anytime you realize that you were doing something so wrong and you come to repentance, the radicality with which you do it must be something else. And so I, I think that we should be radical about this because what it means is that we have marked time for far too long. And it is the reason why the church is the way it is. That's the reason why we are recycling members. Because we are not disciples. And we are not the church that Christ built. We are not exhibiting the tenets of the true church. The fellowship of the brethren. Galatians chapter 2. Let's go to it. 6 to 10. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. Look at Apostle Paul. It makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. (laughs) But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcised has been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was committed to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. Watch this. And when James, Cephas, that is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. That we should go to the Gentiles and there to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Number one, when they saw the grace upon Apostle Paul, they didn't look at his past. They they didn't look at him in a certain way and start playing politics like we see in church. And speak against him. Badmouth him. Defame him. No. They said the pillars of the church. Peter, James and John. Gave him a right hand of fellowship. In other words. Brother you are our brother. You are welcome. We identify the grace of God upon your life. And we are committed to you as brothers 
and we say, go all out. The Lord used you for the cause for which he has called you. We are one in this body, and we are all working towards the same cause. And therefore, you are welcome. They did not play politics with him. Because they were with one heart and one soul. And he says, there was one thing they told him. Remember the poor. Remember the weak. Remember the vulnerable. And he says, that one too, I myself was eager to do. I pray that by the time we are done, with this series, we shall demonstrate to the world our true nature as a people. If you look into the epistles, you don't see too many flaws. And some of you think that you don't see too many flaws because the people were perfect. No. The concentration was not on the flaws. The concentration was on their strength as one people. To make sure that the objective, the goal, Christ Jesus, winning the world for him, was always on top. May we come together like this. And anytime we come together, may we demonstrate our fellowship with one another. May we share the commonality of our faith and the benefits thereof. May nothing divide us. May nothing shift our focus. May our agendas not stop the agenda of Christ. Grace, glorious grace At the cross You called it finished Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai Lead Pastor, Caris Center International We believe the word has begun a good work in you May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life Caris Center International Living heaven on earth